The Sandman emerges once again, if only for a short time, and I cheer in glee! Hello everyone and welcome back to the Dragon's Library. Today we will be discussing the bonus 11th episode of The Sandman on Netflix. Although I only just reviewed Sandman about a week ago, we got a surprise bonus episode and I need to talk about it, so here we are. Now, Netflix is a staunch defender of the binge content style of release. They tend to put out entire seasons all at once, as opposed to the weekly releases of Disney+, Hulu, and many others. This can result in shows that flare up for a week or two and then vanish into obscurity. The Sandman seems to be trying to prevent this with a new bonus episode released two weeks later. And it seems to be working, as the Sandman shot back up to number two most watched show this week. Before we go any further, I need to say something. If you haven't listened to my previous episode on the Sandman, then leave and go listen to that right now. I'll wait. All good? Okay, from this point on, there will be spoilers for the first ten episodes of the Sandman. You have been warned. Anyway, the new episode is an adaptation of the two stories in Sandman comic run, specifically Dream of a Thousand Cats and Calliope. So let's go over the premise. The first story, making up about a fourth of the total runtime, is Dream of a Thousand Cats. We follow a small kitten as it sneaks out with several cats to hear from a Siamese cat that obtained a revelation from Dream of the Endless. This is nearly one-for-one remake of the comic, with most of the dialogue taken directly from the graphic novel. With a few limited changes, for the most part, though, it's basically a one-for-one. Like, seriously, entire conversations can just be, like, scripted from the comic. The second story, Calliope, follows a struggling author who purchases ownership of a Greek muse from another man, despite his promises to free her before he died. Yeah, they're all great people. We then watch as the humility and distaste of the author is twisted by the success Calliope brings him. The story, while very similar to the original, has some more direct changes to change the overall tone and the impact of several explicit scenes from the original comic. These two episodes are fairly self-contained compared to the rest of the Sandman series. Each one has about three main characters, with the only one shared between them being Tom Sturridge as Dream and the Cat of Dreams. Each of the stories talks about someone asking for help from Dream of the Endless. The first story is Dream of a Thousand Cats. It's animated, and so it has voice actors. We have Sandra Oh as the prophet. If you recognize the name, then it's probably from Squid Games. She does a great job with the tragic prophet who seeks to remake the world through dreams. There is also the kitten, voiced by Rosie Day, who's pretty alright as well. Tom Sturge voices the cat of dreams, another form of Dream of the Endless. He has the same distant yet subtly dangerous tone that he brought to the rest of the first season. Moving on to Calliope, we see Tom Sturridge as Dream of the Endless, once again. The main characters of the rest of the story are... Oh, forgive me, this pronunciation is going to be horrible. Melisanthi? Melisanthi? Mahout as Calliope, the Greek muse. And Arthur Darville as Richard Rick Maddock, a struggling author who imprisons Calliope against her will, like I said before. The directing of Dreaming Cats is great, although the animation does cause it to suffer in that regard. Like I said in the original Sandman review, the Dreaming is the same fantastical place, and the way that it shows the transition from the old cat world to the modern human world is actually pretty well done. 
As for Calliope, it is less impressive directing-wise. It's not bad. The directing itself is not bad. But Lewis Hopper's camera work feels less inspired than what she did in episode 10. Uh, a lot more flat shots of people talking and less dream world sequences. Though I will say the breakdown of Rick Maddock and his mental collapse was exceptionally well portrayed. These stories do feel most underwhelming when it comes to special effects. At least in the first story. Dream of a Thousand Cats is an animated short and... Okay, I've been putting this out. Oh, gods, how to put this gently. It looks terrible. Occasional scenes like the prophet standing before the moon or the black cat of dreams, they look cool. The style almost seems to be made for more for, like, thumbnails or still shots. But the animation itself, the actual movement, is stiff, and the models, which will find standing still, distort as they move. The whole experience made me feel like the resolution dropped whenever there was too much motion, and it was very jittery. Probably the worst problem with the whole thing, and it distracted me from the voice acting. Calliope, on the other hand, does have some cool effects. The visit by the three sisters and the practical effects and Rick Maddox's breakdown were both great. It's just... The Dream of a Thousand Cats, I don't know what animation style they were using there. It just... I, I could... I It dragged me from enjoying the story, which is a shame, because... When you when I look at still shots, it looks great. It just doesn't look great when it's moving. <laughs> okay, moving on. The writing is nearly a one-for-one -one translation of both stories. Dream of a Thousand Cats is practically just an animated recreation of the comics, with nearly every line. Calliope, on the other hand, evolved the story for the modern day. Unlike in the comics, Dream keeps with this more empathetic character growth he's been doing, showing sympathy and forgiveness to Calliope. In addition, they remove scenes of Calliope's rape, replacing them with shots of a wound she gives her attacker, signifying the defiance that she, you know, put up in that. In addition, the message of the story changed from retribution and revenge to acceptance and moving on with life after dealing with this, you know, horrific monster who, you know, it's all a metaphor for assault, so a little hard to get into. This allows Calliope to have more of a satisfying and happy ending, with the potential of future appearances doing Dream's forgiveness, so she might show up in the Dreaming, which could be nice. I'd like to see her again. Both of these stories show off some of the Sandman's strengths. Dream of a Thousand Cats demonstrates a faithful imitation with minimal changes and an inventive visuals, if, you know, not well animated. While Calliope better shows how minor changes can help better adapt an old work, like they did with Dr. Destiny. I did prefer Calliope, mostly on the grounds of the other story's poor animation, which made it hard to watch, but the entire second episode is well worth a watch. Not required, but a fun time. Plus, it gave me a reason to talk about the Sandman again, which is, you know, always a good thing. 8 out of 10, go check it out if you have Netflix, which you should have anyway, because I already told you to watch the Sandman's first 10 episodes, so, you know, you should have already done this. Okay, spoiler time. So, there are spoilers ahead, be warned. Okay, so we have two short stories. Let's go. Starting with Dream of a Thousand Cats, we open up on a kitten which is being put to sleep by its owners. The whole thing looks fine until the jittery human arms come into frame. The art style is weird and appears to be trying to mimic a painted appearance, maybe? I, I genuinely don't know what this art style is trying to do. But the frame rate is just horrible, that much is clear. Ignoring that, we watch as the kitten meets up with another cat, and the two of them head out into the streets to go to some kind of meeting. They keep talking about her and her announcement. As they arrive, the two find a few other cats waiting. Soon, a Siamese cat hops up and calls them all to attention. This is the prophet. 
Very long story short, she's a stray that used to belong to humans. However, she fell in love with a, with a stray while she was, you know, owned by humans and had kittens that her owners didn't want. The male owner decides to get rid of the half-breeds by, and this is the extreme part, putting them in a sack and throwing it in a lake. Okay, yeah, wow, he is an asshole. Now, the girl doesn't know exactly how he get rid of them, from what I understood, but still, what the hell, man? At least take them to a shelter or something. Like, Jesus, it, it would probably more work to throw them in a sack and throw it there. Just bring them to a shelter. Like, it's not that much harder. Probably about the same amount of drive. What the hell? Like, did they just do it for funsies or something? It's, it's weird. Anyway, the prophet got really depressed, and even more so when Mr. Jackass said she was probably better off without some needy kids. Internet. I present to you this jackass. Tear him apart as you please. Anyway, understandably depressed, the prophet falls into the dreaming and demands an audience with Dream himself. She wants to know why the world she lives in allows humans to slaughter her children. Dream explains that the world was not always as it is now. Cats used to be a larger, dominant race, and the humans, their small, subversive pets. Subservient pets, sorry. The cats even hunted them on full moons, because, you know, cats are sadists. You have to remember this. However, one human came to dream seeking knowledge just as Prophet did, and learned the truth of reality. A collective dream, known by enough people and specific enough, can reshape the nature of the world. So he gathered his people and begged them to dream. They dreamed night after night, and with thousands working towards a singular vision, that dream remade the world so completely that it unmade all there had ever been before. The prophet ends the story by telling the other cats that only a few thousand, all dreaming the same dream, could remake the world in that dream's image. Because dream and reality are two sides of the same coin. Just as death is influences life and can make people immortal, dream can influence reality. The other cats just kind of call her crazy, but the kitten believes her. The last shot shows her sleeping, and the humans comment that the kitten must be hunting something in her dreams. Not realizing that something she's dreaming of hunting is, you know... Them. <laughs> As for the second story, Calliope, well, that's a bit longer. To summarize, a struggling author named Richard Maddock is struggling to write a follow-up to his well-received book. In desperation, he turns to another author, er Erasmus Fry, who says he has something that can help him. After giving him some medical waste, ew, obtained by a fan, Rick is given his muse. Literally. Okay, so this is going to take some swing. See... Eramus, Erasmus had captured the Greek muse Calliope and bound her through magical laws. He originally promised to set her free before he died, but since he's a piece of shit, Erasmus decided to sell her instead. After the reveal, Rick is initially reluctant to, you know, take what is essentially a slave, but desperation drives him to accept the offer. Seeing a chance to end her suffering, Calliope offers to inspire him willingly if he sets her free. Rick almost does it, but in the end refuses, trying to barter for her without setting her free first, saying she'll set, he'll set her free later. Now, before we go any further, yeah, I need to make something clear. Yes, this is very fucked up. Yes, he will get what's coming to him. And yes, this is a fantasized representation of abuse. Continuing on, Rick ends up assaulting Calliope in order to gain the ideas he needs to write. However, unlike in the original comic, which focused on Calliope's suffering, we don't see Calliope being assaulted. Instead, the scene cuts as he knocks and cuts back in as he leaves. With the camera focusing on a scratch Calliope put on Rick's cheek. This change shows Calliope's agency, focusing on how Calliope fought back into her assailant and not objectifying her during this horrific act. 
from what I understand in interviews, this was done, this scene was done to give her, uh, more agency. And it almost gives the scene a more horror movie aesthetic. It makes you hate this bastard all the more. As Rick goes famous from his new book, he promises to free Calliope after the novel. But as the fame goes to his head, they're thrown aside, and Rick, like Erasmus before him, begins to see her as nothing more than a tool for his own ambitions. Meanwhile, Calliope manages to contact the Fates, who tell her that none of the gods are both willing and able to help her. However, the Endless might, but only when she knows that might help her is Dream, her estranged lover, and he, according to the Fates, has been imprisoned as well. Years pass before Calliope sees a newspaper declaring an end to the season one's sleeping sickness. Realizing this means Dream is free, she manages to get a message to him, and he comes. Despite a complicated past, Dream, now changed from his ordeal, is able to forgive Calliope and resolves to set her free. Unable to directly free her, Dream opts for a more creative route. First, he asks Rick one last time to free Calliope of his own volition. The asshole obviously refuses, so Dream gets creative. Literally. See, Cali Rick wanted Calliope's inspiration, so Dream overloads his mind with ideas to the point where half-formed thoughts begin erupting from his mouth mid-lecture. As he runs, desperate to escape his own new ideas, Rick begins to rip off his own fingers and use the blood to write it all down just to make it all stop. Eventually, he's found by a fan who helped him in the beginning, and he tells her, as she calls the ambulance, to go to his home and free a woman, a.k.a. Calliope. This statement sets the muse free, so when the fan arrives, all that's left is a book. At the hospital, Rick finds the thoughts leave him, but not as he would like. See, Dream revoked his torment, but he's still pissed, so he inflicted a new punishment. And now Rick will never have a new idea ever again. And to be fair... He totally deserved it. The last scene shows Calliope now free, resolved to free her sisters as well, and change the ancient laws that allowed them to be bound to humans in the first place. Dream, supportive of her new goals, tells her that she is always welcome amongst the dreaming. The end. All in all, these two stories are pretty good, with the exception of the animation of the first one. And I had a lot of fun. They were a nice little treat to get me all the more excited for season two, which I, which I will be anticipating greatly. I, I really just can't wait. All right. With that out of the way, we have some announcements. I am currently working on a new intro sequence, so look forward to that. As for upcoming reviews, my next two reviews will be a book, The Dream Eaters by Suni Dean and that new Elvis movie that came out recently. If the book review is delayed, then I might have a last-minute replacement in store, but that will be a surprise. See you all next time. Bye! I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and thank you for listening to The Dragon's Library. Please, subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week, and you can follow us on Twitter at Dragon underscore library two. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. And as always, thank you so much for all your support.